0: Hello there, I'm Patrick Stroth. Welcome to M&A Masters, where I speak with the leading experts in mergers and acquisitions. And we're all about one thing here, that's a clean exit for owners, founders, and their investors. Joining me today is James Riley, founder and managing partner of Stone Pine Advisors. Stone Pine Advisors is a software-focused investment bank based here in Menlo Park, California. They provide financing, M&A advisory, and strategic consulting services to emerging and mid sized growth companies, particularly in the cybersecurity, mobile, and healthcare sectors. Jim also publishes a weekly newsletter that is packed with all things cybersecurity, and we'll tell you how to access this great resource a little later. But for right now, I'd like to welcome Jim. Thanks for joining me today. Patrick, thanks for having me. Great. To give everybody listening some context, tell me, how did you get to this point in your career f- founding Stone Pine Advisors and bringing you to where you are today?
1: Uh, sure. Uh, well, the short story is, is fairly simple. I, uh, I started life as a software engineer, uh, worked for a couple of years writing a CRM system for a major New York bank. Uh, moved to the dark side uh, uh to an investment bank uh in the early 80s and I've been in investment banking ever since uh, worked at three firms uh Dillon Reed uh which was acquired by UBS, Hambrick and Quist here in California which was acquired by J.P. Morgan, Needham and Company, a boutique based in New York where I was co-head of investment banking and ran the West Coast operation and I founded StonePine uh, about seven years ago uh, to focus on the security space and what we call the lower middle market, basically companies with 25 to 250 million in transaction value or, or uh, aggregate enterprise value.
0: Well, with um, all, I, almost all things IT now, related, uh the concept of cybersecurity probably didn't exist fifteen years ago. And if it did exist, it was so below the radar nobody really paid attention to it. Um in the last several years you've obviously seen a growing focus on cybersecurity, not only just the presence of it, but uh, the depth and and breadth of it in MA due diligence through that process. Uh, let's kind of frame this a bit. What specifically is cybersecurity? Because it's a broad, broad term, but what is it specifically? And how does cybersecurity impact a merger and acquisition um, transaction?
1: Patrick, that's a a great question. Uh, Cybersecurity used to be called InfoSec or information security. And I think that the term is still very valid. Uh, It is protecting uh, the information of an organization, whether it's the users, the intellectual property, the business records, uh, what have you, of, of an organization. And uh, it's today it's, it's called cybersecurity to contrast that with physical security, locks on your doors and, and gates around the building, uh, because this all happens in, in cyberspace or in, in, in and on the Internet um what is um, really new uh because information security or infosec has, has been around for a couple of decades is uh the the new focus on uh how cybersecurity and M&A inter- intersect uh people had um, tended to ignore uh the uh believe it or not, the security of the assets they were acquiring uh, and and not do much of a detailed investigation into the security of those assets. They looked hard at the assets, made sure they were there and they were real, but uh, they didn't really look at how those were being protected. That has changed significantly in the last four or five years, primarily as a result of um a number of really high profile, uh, security breaches, uh, whether it's, uh, Target, uh, or, uh, the, the Yahoo, um, slash Verizon, uh, transaction or Neiman Marcus or, or probably two dozen other really high visibility deals, um, that, uh, caused, uh, uh changes in, in valuation uh, after or during or after the merger process. Uh so uh, it's become a much more critical uh piece of uh the M&A due diligence process in the last several years. And
0: see I used to think of uh the corporate security as you know being uh aware of your trade secrets like the the recipe for Coca-Cola. And while that's an itemized single asset that you can focus on, just the entire breadth of your business, you know, including clients and not just client lists, but everybody that inquires about you and so forth. All of that now is fair game and that needs to be addressed. Um, there's this trend now where
1: the due diligence
0: is expanding, as you said, where now, now people were worried about the asset. Now they're worried about the secu- security around that asset. So the diligence process is, you know, the buyers are taking a deeper dive uh into a target cybersecurity. What does that entail? Is it just a, a penetration test or, you know, how how does it look? Uh that uh, the um uh,
1: the buyers are starting to do the same kind of uh investigation of uh, potential areas of, um, of risk that, quite frankly, every company should be doing today. So they are engaging um, uh, white hat hackers to execute penetration tests to see if an organization is uh, at risk, uh, if that risk level is high or low. They're doing, uh, backward looking testing to try and identify if in fact a company had been breached, even if the company may not be aware of it. Uh, they are, uh, looking at, uh, uh software code, particularly in the case of a, a software vendor, uh, but in, in a broader context as well. They're engaging folks, uh, who do, um, uh, Deep dives into the code to understand where vulnerabilities might le- might lie. They're looking for uh, code that might be shared, code that might have been purloined uh, from uh, another source, uh, open source code that's not being used effectively. Some of those latter things have been part of M&A due diligence for, I'd uh, say, seven, eight, nine years. Uh, but the, the more, uh, detailed cyber focused, uh, penetration testing and, uh, the look at, uh, your IT infrastructure, uh, from the perspective of where it has weaknesses and whether it may have been penetrated in the past, uh, is, is a critical, uh, and new, um, M&A due diligence item. You also mentioned, uh, the, uh, assets that uh, folks are looking at. And uh, it, it goes beyond, as you, you correctly point out, the Coca-Cola formula, which is locked deeply in a safe somewhere in Atlanta. Um, you have companies in the retail space that have what's called personally identifiable information or PII. Uh, they have credit card information, names, addresses, etc. Uh, all of that information is valuable to a hacker in one way, shape, or form. And so the due diligence processes today look at how all of that stuff is being secured and protected.
0: Well, then we keep thinking about cybersecurity, and it makes complete sense when you've got technology companies or companies that are And, you know, business business to consumer with the hotels and the the hospitality restaurant risks where you got that. And, uh, probably the most sensitive information out there is healthcare. And, you know, traditionally as I've seen cybersecurity, the awareness is there in healthcare and B2C and so forth. But are there other industries that think that they are a small finite organization and while they may have large sales or, you know, large assets, you know, this cyber doesn't apply to them because they're doing manufacturing or something like that. What other industries that probably on the surface don't think
1: they're at risk that really should be paying attention? Uh, so, uh, two, two things there. In terms of folks who maybe aren't paying enough attention, uh, who don't think about having, um, you know, cyber assets like, you know, lists of customers and things of that na- nature. Uh, but, but they do have a tremendous amount of intellectual property that can be, that can be stolen. Um, we saw it, uh, just a decade and a half ago with the Sony hack where you know movies were um were actually uh taken uh where their systems were entirely shut down they were out of business for a couple of weeks while they tried to to undo the hack uh so um pretty much any company any government agency uh we saw the city of Atlanta get shut down for close to a month uh, from a ransomware attack, um, uh, energy companies with uh, tremendous amounts of information about where oil reserves or gas reserves might lie, uh, steel companies that have um, you know formulas for their processes, uh, all that sort of stuff is. Uh, definitely at risk and, uh, is, uh, going to be higher on people's radar screens from an M&A due diligence process today than, than they were, uh, a year or two ago. Uh, there is, uh, uh, Mark Andreessen coined the phrase, uh, everything is a software company or software is eating the world. Uh, I think was the exact terminology, but it, it's true. Um, you know, what's in your electronic systems? is the most valuable asset that you have in most cases. And uh that is all at risk uh from you know folks uh who are you know just looking to be somewhat malicious to um, you know, uh sovereign governments that are looking to steal uh extremely valuable intellectual property. Everybody needs to be aware of
0: That's a great point. Uh, one thing, and I know we didn't talk about this earlier, but I, you just curious as we go, because you've got a lot of traditional businesses out there that have been, um, you know, to use the term, they were just, uh, you know, paper companies and all their records and so forth were documented on papers and files and so forth. And there still are quite a few out there that have not transitioned everything over to a paperless or electronic environment. And so I would think that, uh give me your take on this but not only are your electronic assets and the electronic records uh out there that are subject for risk but you also have all your hard paper assets still that are sitting in files somewhere that should be destroyed or dealt with that are just out there for somebody to grab
1: that that's right uh the 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 paper files are there um if somebody you know breaks through your physical security, which is you know, generally perceived to be much stronger, and generally perceived to um, leave uh, for you know somebody who broke in to leave uh, more concrete or more discreet fingerprints, um, so to speak, uh, so easier to figure out who might have broken in to steal your physical documents. A lot harder to figure out who's hacking your system to steal your, your intellectual property. But even if an organization had everything that they, that they, um, ever created stored on paper, uh, they are still at a significant risk of having, uh, their, their systems, uh, their computer systems shut down, which, you know, in turn will Put them out of business for a period of time. Uh, uh, my uh, my local sushi shop, which uh, had had done everything with a, an old NCR mechanical cash register, uh, just last week put in a computerized purchasing terminal. And uh, you know they they now track everybody's order and all this uh, information online, and uh, you know it's all tied to your phone number. So if if they were hacked then they couldn't place orders. They would be uh, at, a, at a significant disadvantage. So everybody, um, whether paper-driven or not, has an electronic security risk or an infosec risk. Okay, uh, great point. Now, as an expert with, with
0: Stone Pine Advisors, uh, you've got clients that are coming to you that are uh, looking for a variety of uh, strategic consulting concerns out there and they're coming to you and you're going to prepare them for you know the cyber due diligence what kind of advice do you go and give your clients uh in this in this field
1: so it it's um much the same as any company uh should uh, undertake for you know for for their own their own purposes uh, as even small companies, you know, 5, 10, 15 million in revenue need to be looking at what their cybersecurity risk profile looks like. Um, they should engage a, uh, an ethical hacker or white hat hacker to conduct a penetration test. They should do their own vulnerability assessment in advance of and in anticipation of the buyer wanting to do the same uh, so that they are prepared. That they can pre-identify uh where there might be risk uh, and have a plan in place to address it. Even if they don't actually address it, having a plan makes it a lot easier to get through the due diligence process with a potential buyer. So the the, the counsel that I offer is um uh essentially to you know um pretend that you are um uh, pretend that you are uh you know just sitting there looking out for your your own business what concerns should and would you have these are the concerns that a buyer is going to have and just let's get ready for it it's it's the same um same methodology around preparing financial statements and and forecasts and projections and all of the other items that go into a data room—it's it, just being anticipatory of the type of questions and type of investigation a buyer is going to undertake.
0: So when they're preparing, they've got their, I guess, cyber infrastructure set up. They probably have a response plan, you know, or do they have a response plan? If so, what is it in the event of a breach? You know, all those type, those types of things are are set up. Uh, does the question of cyber insurance ever come up? Do you ask them whether or not, or is that a standard uh, question that comes up during the diligence is, uh, is cyber insurance in place? The, the reason why I ask is because aside from some of the uh, asset value of pieces of intellectual property, the, a cyber security insurance policy, could handle a lot of damages that are reputational uh compliance costs regulatory costs notification to clients and then should there be litigation resulting from a breach all that can be addressed by cyber insurance uh what is excluded would be the value of, of a particular ip asset if it were to fall in value that's not necessarily insurable in cyber policy but I think it's a nice, you know, part of the program, but I'm not sure in your experience, does the, the subject of cyber insurance come up at all? And if so, how does, how does it come up? Uh,
1: so it, it is, um, it is something that larger companies at least have thought about, uh, because it's a big topic, uh, at the board level with certainly with public companies to a lesser extent with private companies. Uh, it is, I'd say, you know, in, in terms of projects that I've undertaken in the last 12 to 18 months, um, the question from a, a banker's perspective or from a due diligence perspective is really just starting to um, to pop up. It's, it's a fairly new topic. Um, and a lot of smaller companies, it's the last thing they're thinking about. Uh, which is, you know, spending even though it's not a terribly expensive policy, uh, you know, spending those those few extra bucks on on that just doesn't seem to be particularly relevant. Although, as you point out, it is definitely um, something that will smooth uh, an M and A process if you have something like that in place. Yeah, and
0: as with a lot of other topics, whether it's the financial topic, uh, valuation topic, you know, cyber if if we look at it and focus on it our awareness of it you know sometimes misleadingly uh points to being way more important than it should be or whatever and i don't want to minimize cybersecurity because it is a, a critical thing out there but at this point from your experience how big of a deal is it in in an m a transaction uh you know the cyber security question i mean is it to the point where it is a deal breaker, or is it still kind of just kind of uh, check the box
1: uh, it it depends on what's found um, you know we mentioned uh, the the uh, Yahoo breach, uh, which was enormous actually even even bigger than Verizon thought when they adjusted the price down by a half a billion dollars um, mm-hmm. so it it has Serious valuation implications if something is identified uh, that that has the potential to uh, diminish the value of an asset, or if the cost of fixing an identified problem is high, it, that will be clearly taken into account in the purchase price. Uh, is it an absolute deal breaker? Um, I would say not, not unless. You are um, uh, not, unless you're a healthcare organization or a bank or something like that, where um, you know the the value of the intellectual property is is so large um, that uh, that that would significantly impact your your business. Um, but it um, uh, but but it certainly can have an impact on the purchase price.
0: Well, I think it can have an impact. Uh, again, it depends on the deal and the circumstances with it, but I, I can tell you from the insurance perspective on insuring M&A transactions with rep and warranty insurance, it is becoming more routine now for underwriters and rep and warranty. If there's a, a, a rep in there about uh, intellectual property or the cybersecurity, uh, unless there's the presence of some cyber insurance uh, by the target, in place that gets along with other types of insurance in line Uh, it can be a subject of being excluded and underwriters will uh, quickly acquiesce and amend their policy and make it more favorable and remove an exclusion if there's attention paid to either cyber insurance or if there's proper procedures in place but it's definitely something that is getting the attention of underwriters they're not all doing the same thing right now we've got a pretty competitive market but should post deal cyber breaches that are uninsured other than through Red Warranty, if those start mounting, we could we could see some pushback on the industry. So it, it's definitely fluid, but it, it's it's uh one of those issues that is coming up uh for attention. Uh now, Jim, what if you could put it in a nutshell, what's the number one piece of advice
1: you'd give your clients with regard to um cybersecurity? um uh, make sure that you've done everything you can to protect uh the intellectual property and information infrastructure of your organization be uh and that that goes whether you're in an M&A deal or not um you know, be be proactive um engage uh, somebody to do a vulnerability assessment uh engage two people uh i i happen to Know of a public company that used a large telecom provider for years for their vulnerability assessment and pen testing. They switched vendors and, uh, the, the new vendor found that there were eight or nine different areas that had been overlooked, uh, by the telco. So, um, you know, engage, um, uh, good advisors, uh, on the security side and, um, uh, and, and make sure that, you know, you have your defenses in place and you have your policies and procedures in place so that when an M&A transaction comes along, you're not um, running around trying to put things in place at the last minute. And certainly from an insurance standpoint, I suspect that um, that it's a lot easier to get uh, cybersecurity insurance with that. Uh, uh, in a normal environment as opposed to being in a an M&A environment where there's a, a transaction that could trigger risk. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. Well, Jim, I mentioned that
0: you are the also the author and provider of uh, a weekly uh, cybersecurity uh, newsletter called the Cybersecurity Newsletter. And I would tell the audience, this is all things cybersecurity, not only news, financial information, uh, people on the move, M&A deals. It, it just has a little something about cyber in about 500 different ways. And I highly recommend uh, you uh, logging on and getting that. Jim, could you tell our audience, A, how to reach you and how can they get access to that newsletter?
1: Uh, sure. So the newsletter is accessible on our website. It's www stonepineadvisors.com, that's Stonepine with a P and advisors with an O, uh, and the uh, front page has a link to, uh, to sign up for the newsletter, and it also brings you to an archive of older issues if you'd like to peruse them, uh, and you can reach me at jim at stonepineadvisors.com.
0: Wonderful. Thank you very much, Jim. Great information here on a topic that's only going to get bigger and badder, unfortunately, uh, as, as time goes on. But as with a lot of stuff uh, in, in our industry, things that didn't exist 10 years ago are now huge opportunities for a lot of people. So
1: thanks again for uh, helping out our audience. Patrick, thank you for inviting me. And uh, I look forward to hearing from the audience.